So we're going to go to Colossians 4. I'd love for you to join me there. It always amazes me with Paul. He was in prison, of all places. Uh, We'll get there in a minute. He asked for them to pray for him, but not what I would have asked you to pray for me. Get me out of here. You know, that would be my prayer. Paul prays that God might open up doors for him to share the gospel. That was, that was his prayer, and God was answering that prayer. It's a difficult time for Paul. He's got some uncertainty, some anxiety. He doesn't know exactly what's going to happen. He, he thinks he's going to get out, and he does later, and he gets to do some more preaching. But it's, it's, it's got to be a time of stress, a time of anxiety. This is in the 60s, in the first century, early, early 60s. Persecution, the church was starting to get worse. Uh, they were starting, the Roman Empire was starting to put some pressure on Christians to uh, not be Christians, to not confess the name of Jesus. So it was, a, it was a difficult time. Paul nears the end of the letter, and he essentially says to them, here's what you need to do. You need to, you need to pray. You need not to forget to pray like we just sang. How are you doing? Uh, obviously, I don't want you to answer that out loud right now, but... I would like for you to think about it. How are you doing? How are you doing emotionally? I appreciate Grant's thoughtful prayer. Um, Some of us woke up this morning with, I'm guessing, all of those emotions that Grant was speaking about in his prayer with fear, anxiety, timidity, anger, bitterness, perhaps. Maybe we... Maybe, we, uh, maybe we've struggled a little bit. Maybe you've struggled a little bit. I think it's good for you and me to come together as part of God's family and to reflect on what God would have us to do. There's a response. There's a, a human response. Now, we believe in the power of God. God does what God wills, right? God does what He chooses to do. But it's interesting how God has chosen to work, in some sense, in conjunction with our own efforts, Salvation is of God, but God works in conjunction in some sense with our response. Like we get to partner with God. We get to join hands with Him. So there's nothing wrong with us talking about what can we do? What can we do to create an environment where the Holy Spirit might work in us? We we see this in the early church. You know, I was thinking this week, I was thinking about prayer. You read the first Half, especially. First, first half of the book of Acts. And what you see is a church, man, they are praying. They even, you remember the story in the book of Acts where they're, where they're praying and they don't really think God's going to answer the prayer? They're praying for Peter to get out of jail. Jail's been, uh, Peter's been arrested because of preaching and all this, and the church is praying, praying, Lord, you know, take care of Peter, get Peter out of prison, whatever. They're praying fervently. Peter shows up at the front door. Remember that? Remember that story? It's kind of funny because... They see Peter standing there, and they're like, well, it's got to be a ghost. Can't be Peter. They were surprised that God answered their prayer. I wonder, and, and, well, you read on. That's, that's in the book of Acts. But you read on through the story of Acts, and, and the church prayed. They prayed hard. They prayed consistently. They prayed passionately. And God worked. And I wonder if sometimes maybe God isn't working in my life or your life or in the life of our church as well as as clearly as we might like, because we don't really pray for that to happen. I've been guilty of not praying that prayer sometimes. My guess is you've been guilty of, as that, of that as well. 
What do we need to do? You know, it's been a hard year, like I said earlier. And I think it's affected us as Christians. We know it's affected our country. It's, it's affected not only America. It's affected every part of the globe, I think. It's, it's, uh, it's increased mental anxiety. Uh, requests on counselors are, uh, in some places, they're, the counselors, they're, they don't have enough spaces on the calendar. They simply cannot respond to the requests they've gotten for counseling. Read an article this week, secular article, just uh, looking at the effects emotionally of the pandemic, the economic recession, the anxiety that's been caused. Um, there are more, more people in America who are struggling with mental health. In fact, the number's about doubled. Uh, and this was actually, this is actually not even up to date. I suspect it's worse now than it was when this, this was uh, midsummer, toward the end of summer. And it had doubled at that point. Uh, over levels in March, when all this stuff started happening, more than half of Americans report that their mental health has been negatively impacted about twice what it was in March. People are struggling not only with mental health and well-being, but it's being manifested in difficulty sleeping. People are having eating disorders. Alcohol consumption is has increased. People are struggling with substance abuse. There's depression, there's anxiety, worsening chronic conditions because of worry and stress. I mean, you probably don't need me to read the litany of things here that people are dealing with. Some of you, some of us are dealing with some of these things as well. If all that's happening to the world emotionally and mentally, I wonder what the effects are spiritually. And I don't know how to measure that. I think it's really difficult to measure But my guess is, based on my own relationship with God, my own experience this year, my conversations with people in the church, my engaging people from other churches, is that this is a real problem for us. So what do we do? Let's look at Colossians 4. Paul says, continue steadfastly in prayer. Look, I know this is not an earth-shattering thing. I, I wish that I could, I wish I had some sort of ability to, to point out something that, you know, this, uh, just this miracle, this thing you, you do, and everything is going to be as it ought to be overnight. That's not the way this works. God doesn't work that way. God works slowly and sometimes immeasurably, but He works clearly. He works definitely. He works specifically in people's lives. And I, I'm afraid sometimes we, in our overreaction to uh, miracles and to our our being led, our, our, our conviction that God didn't work, doesn't work now in the same clear, miraculous ways that he did in, I don't know, in the year Paul wrote this letter, that our reaction to that has caused us to overreact, and we almost think God doesn't work at all, that it's all up to us. We've just got to do and do and do, and then, and then maybe good things will happen. We've, we've kind of backed off of this conviction that God still works. Call it providence, call it whatever you will, but God works. And in this letter, Paul says, as, as, he, as he brings it to a close, he says, look, folks, pray. I want to give you four things, all right? I guess this is not going to be one of those deep theological lessons. If, you're, if, you're, if by that we mean, like, I'm going to reveal some, something that came out of my study this week that might deepen your theological awareness of some biblical principle. I think there's a place and time for that. But really, what I want to accomplish in this lesson this morning, just for a few minutes, is I want you to do some things this week, some real things, concrete things that you could actually measure. I want you to 
I want you to do some things that, that I think will change your life. I want you to start doing some things, if you haven't been doing them, that will open up a door where the Spirit of God might begin to work again in your life, that God might answer the prayer that Grant prayed, that, that anxiety, fear, timidity, this anger, this bitterness, perhaps whatever's going on in our hearts, that, that there might be a sense in which you experience some relief from that in the coming weeks and months. So, I hope you'll commit yourself to that, that you'll do some things. Wherever you are right now, maybe you're doing great, but wherever you are right now, that you'll commit to doing some things this week and in the coming weeks. So let's look at what Paul says here. He tells us to pray consistently. Uh, verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. First part of that, pray consistently, continue steadfastly in prayer. Remember the story of the widow, she approached the judge, she wanted relief from her situation, she approached the judge, he didn't respond to her, and she kept going, kept going, kept going, she prayed, she asked again and again and again. Jesus told this story, and it's an interesting story because, you know, the way the story turns out is finally the judge gets sick of her asking over and over again, and he responds to her, and he, and he gives her what she asks. It's Luke 18, that's where the story's told. Interesting story, because Jesus doesn't think God is like that, and God is not like that. God's not like that unjust judge. He's not like that judge who just gets irritated with people asking again and again and again. It's not the way God is. If a judge will respond to a widow who, who, uh, who asked him repeatedly, how much more? This is, this is the, what Jesus is teaching us. How much more does a God who looks down on us with love and compassion, God is not this God who gets irritated and says, oh, it's, you know, it's Chuck again. Wow, this is the fourth time today. I'm getting sick of this. He doesn't do that. God, God is a God who looks, he looks at you and he knows, he knows what you woke up with this morning and he knows, what, he knows what's bringing anxiety to your heart and he knows if your, if your pillow was wet with tears last night, he knows that you woke up at 2 o'clock in the morning with that, that problem at work or that, that marriage issue or that thing that's going on with your kid or your parents declining health. He, he knows what that thing is. And, God, and I wonder if sometimes God, he just created this kind of avenue for us with prayer. It's not as if God doesn't know what's going on, but for whatever reason, in God's infinite wisdom, God wants you to ask for it. And there are cases, God sometimes will act separate and apart from our prayers. We know that. But there are times where God won't do something until you ask for it. I don't know why God chose to work like that. Maybe it's because God wants us to understand that we are dependent on Him. Pray consistently. What this means is pray every single day. Intentional prayer. I'm not talking about whispered prayers or I'm not talking about the rope prayers before meals. Do those too. Talking about intentional prayer. Uh, I think that's what Paul's talking about here. There's a sense in which we live life with a prayerful spirit. I, I think that's what Paul's talking about in 1 Thessalonians 5 when he says pray without ceasing. You know what he's talking about there? He, he means that when you are driving down the road and you hear the ambulance, that you pray for whatever that's about. You can do that on your way to work. Just, just say a quick prayer. Whatever's going on, Lord, with that situation, 
Ambulance isn't going because good stuff's happening. Somebody's hurting. Pray for that person. Somebody at church says, hey, or you read the bulletin, will you pray for me? Something's going on in somebody's life. Pray. Pray while you're jogging in the morning. Pray when you're at the gym. Pray before you go to bed. There are those moments. There's a sense in which we pray all the time. We are people who pray without ceasing. Let me give you a couple of quotations about that. Because so I, I think there are a couple of ways of looking at this idea of prayer. A Quaker, Thomas Kelly, in a book called, a writing called Testament of Devotion, writes this. Listen to this. Right now, what I'm talking about is I'm not talking about those 15 moments uh, every day of intentional focused prayer. I'm just talking about a prayerful spirit of, of living life as a prayerful person. So we're going to do this as well. But listen to this. There is a way of ordering our mental life on more than one level at once. On one level, we can be thinking, discussing, seeing, calculating, meeting all the demands of external affairs. But deep within, behind the scenes, at a profounder level, we may also be in prayer and adoration, song and worship, and a gentle receptiveness to divine breathings. End quote. You know, I think it's an interesting thing. What he, I think what he's saying is, you go about your day, and your, your job probably involves mental attention, um, mental discipline, focused, intense concentration. But what he's saying is that you can even do that with a prayerful spirit. You can pray without ceasing. When you're engaging in these mental calculations and, and you're thinking about what you need to be thinking about at your job or while you're studying for a test or while you're doing whatever, he is saying that there are different levels. On that conscious level, yes, you're thinking about what you need to be thinking about, but beneath it you are praying because you're a Christian. And so there's this spirit in which it's, it's always just beneath the surface in the life of a Christian. So you pray. There was a medieval monk named Brother Lawrence, and in his classic book, The Practice of the Presence of God, he writes this, The time of business does not differ with me from the time of prayer. And in the noise and clatter of my kitchen, while several persons are at the same time calling for different things, I possess God in as great tranquility as if I were on my knees, end quote. You know, I think what he's saying is that we pray without ceasing. We are prayerful people. So do that, but also do this. I want to challenge you, if you haven't been doing this, to find time every day this week for intentional prayer while you're not doing other things. Pray on your way to work or school. Pray when you're at the gym or when you're jogging. Pray, for, pray during those other times during the day when something happens and you're just made aware of the need to pray. Do that. But find some specific time in your day, every day, where you put your phone away, you turn off the music, you turn off the TV, you get rid of the distractions, you go into your prayer closet or whatever it is for you, and you spend a measured amount of time in intentional prayer. Would you do that? Can we as a church make a commitment to do that every day in the upcoming week? I hope it'll go beyond the week, but I just want to ask you to do it this week, to make time every day to pray, specifically and intently. Pray consistently. Pray even if you don't want to pray. You know, I think this is one of the things that happens to us emotionally is we sometimes we get in this spiral 
where we get discouraged and we're spiritually we're not doing well. I don't feel this connection with God, and so I don't want to pray, and so I don't pray. Well, what happens then? Well, my connection to God gets even less, and my desire to pray gets even less, and so I don't pray again, which then causes me to have even more distance between me and my Creator, which causes me not to want to pray, and so I don't pray, and then I get farther from Him. What happens is this this spiral, it's, it's hard to arrest, it's hard to stop. Pray even if you don't want to pray. Pray even if you're angry. Pray even if you're discouraged. Pray especially if you're angry, especially if you're discouraged, and especially if you feel distance between you and God. Pray no matter what. You're going to have a bad day this week. You're, not, you're going to have a moment where I, I, I don't want to pray. Pray anyway. Pray anyway. Prayer is not based, it should not be based on this sense of it shouldn't always be based on a sense of, oh, I just feel this great connection to God and I want to talk to Him right now. I hope you have those times too. But pray regardless of how you feel. Prayer's not based on feelings. This is a practice. My guess is that every one of us has things every day that we do that we don't want to do. Uh, do you exercise? Some, some, some of you exercise every day and some of you like it, all right? Never made sense to me, but I know people are like that. But some people exercise, they do it not because they like it, not because they like running or whatever exercise it is. They do it because they know they need to do it. Uh, I saw something, you know, Dale Jenkins, whose father is Jerry Jenkins, a longtime minister at the Roebuck Parkway Church of Christ. Uh, he said, I think it was on Facebook somewhere in the last couple of weeks, he said his dad ran every day. Like I know, I've read stuff that says you're not supposed to run every day. It's not good for your joints, whatever. Uh, but it was just interesting that Jerry Jenkins ran every day. And you know why he ran every day? Because he said, if I don't run one day, then I might not run two days. And then I might not run three days. And so he did it every day. And I think Dell does that as well. Prayer's kind of like that. If you don't pray tomorrow because you don't feel like praying tomorrow, then you might not pray on Tuesday either. There's a greater chance you won't pray on Wednesday. I mean, you get the point. Just do it every day. Just do it. We can do it every day. You can take 15 minutes every day. I know we all have that time. I know everybody in this room is busy. But we can take 15 minutes. We can can even take an hour. But I'm not asking you to take an hour. I'm asking you to take at least 15 minutes every day to pray. Pray consistently. Pray intently. Look, look at this, um, also in Colossians 4. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Pray intently. Pray circumspectly. Pray watchfully. This is the same kind of language Jesus used in Matthew 26 when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane with the apostles. And man, this was a difficult time in, in his life. This was a, Jesus was struggling. He was struggling. He was in the garden. He did not want to experience what he was going to experience in the next 24 hours as he took upon himself the weight of our sins. You know, he didn't want to go through that. He was struggling. He went away from the disciples a, a little ways and he came back there sleeping. And remember Jesus' admonition to them, guys, What's with me? 
Pray and watch. Because you need to be aware of what's going on around you. You need to pray intently. You, you don't understand the kind of struggle that I'm having right now. You need to pray circumspectly. And I do believe that's what Paul is saying here. And that's a particular, particularly relevant thing to say to us right now is for us to pray intently in view of what's going on around us. Man, we think about the year. We think about... We think about the difficulties of the year. We think, about the, we think about the separation. We think about the uncertainty and the anxiety. And we, we wonder what's going to happen and all the stuff that's happened. And Paul is saying, look around you at what's going on in the world. And look at your own heart and your own life and think about what's happened with you and maybe your relationship with God. And he says, pray watchfully, circumspectly, introspectively look within, look around you, but pray consistently and pray intently. This is why, yeah, we need to pray without ceasing. We need to pray on the way to work. We need to approach every situation with a spirit of prayer. There's a sense in which a Christian, while he or she's awake, never stops praying. But that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about in that time of prayer that you clear in your calendar every day is for you to be intent. That's why you need to get rid of the distractions. This is the closet prayer. This is the Matthew 6. When you go into your closet, that's what he's talking about here. We've got to have those times. We've got to have those times. And um, Satan's going to give you 50 million reasons why you don't need to do it. He will. But as Christians, we do it. We do it anyway. One, one commentator on this passage says, says this. She writes, A disposition to be alert to the challenges and temptations that threaten steadfast Christian commitment to a realistic assessment of the times in which one lives and to appropriate vigilance. So, and I think she's right on this. I think what Paul is saying is, man, look around you, what's going on, and, and take some time as you pray to, to think, man, you know, I have, there is some distance between me and God. Satan doesn't want you thinking about that. He wants you to think, you know, everything's good. You don't have anything to worry about. It's just, it's not that big of a deal. But what Paul is saying is take this time and let it be a moment. Let it be a time where you do some honest self-evaluation. How are you doing with the Lord? God will help you to do that during a prayer time. But you've got to be intent about it. Here's the third one. Pray with thanksgiving. Pray gratefully. Pray gratefully. You know... This is an easy one to drop off, I think, especially when we're struggling spiritually. We, we pray, we're going to do it every day, we're going to pray intently, but we're going to pray for specific people in our church family, we're going to pray about what's going on in the world, we're going to pray for our relationship with God. But it's just, it's interesting that almost every time the Bible talks about prayer, it's going to have gratitude in there somewhere. So there needs to be this centering moment in prayer where we come back to this and we are led by God to come back to the spirit of gratitude. Lord, thank you. Thank you. It doesn't need merely to be this self-centered moment. It's okay to pray for yourself. God wants us to do that. But it doesn't need exclusively to be that. There's a sense in which God will lead us to be grateful. And so during your time of prayer, yes, pray for others, pray for yourself, but also let, let God bring to awareness all the things in your life that you can be thankful for, for health, for family, for friends, for food, 
for house, for warmth, for peace, for tranquility, for whatever. There are a million different things God has done for us. Pray, pray gratefully. Here's the last one. Pray selflessly. In, uh, in verse 3, he says, At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the Word, to declare the mystery of Christ. This, again, like I said earlier, this fascinates me. Paul didn't ask for them to pray that God would get him out of jail. He didn't ask for that. He didn't ask for that. I think that's what many of us would have prayed for. Pray for an innocent verdict, you know, whatever. Get me out of this place. But, but rather, Paul says... Pray that the gospel will go forward, that the door, a door for the word will be opened. That's an interesting expression there, a door for the word, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. So in your prayer time, if you would, pray not only for what's going on in your life, but pray that, that a door for the word might be opened. As we near the end of this year and as we reflect on the past uh, eight months, nine months, and as we look ahead to 2021, would you take a moment in your prayer this week to pray that God will open a door for the Word and that whatever God wants the church to be in the middle of a pandemic and whatever God wants us, us to be in the, in the aftermath of an election and, and uh, with racial unrest and strife and anger in our, in our environment, in our country, what does God want us to be? Pray that a door for the Word will be opened and that God will use the people sitting in these pews right here, right now, and in the coming weeks and months, and He'll use this church to be what we are supposed to be. That a door for the word will be opened, that, God, that God's glory will be seen. And that in the midst of this, that people will come to faith in Christ. You know, as I was looking this week on um, just kind of Googling about what's, what are the consequences of this experience this year. Like, if you Google, for example, the spiritual, I can't remember how I worded it exactly. Something like the spiritual consequences of COVID-19 or something like that. I was amazed at how many secular sites. What I was expecting was a number of churches, a number of religious sites would be talking about this, you know, spiritual consequences of, of COVID-19. But it was interesting that uh, most of the sites that came up were secular sites, one from Harvard, uh, one from NBC, uh, one from another couple, couple of other academic institutions, secular, secular places. It was just fascinating that that happened but maybe we shouldn't be surprised by that because during difficult times, you know what people sometimes do? They realize that what they've been depending on, they realize that that foundation that they thought was secure is not secure. And they look for something beyond the present experience. So pray that God will open a door for the Word, that He, that we, this church, that I, that our leaders, that you and all of us as individuals would be able to make it clear as we ought to speak what really matters. Would you pray that this week? Pray selflessly, that is, pray outwardly that the gospel might go forward. So how are you doing this week? How are you doing spiritually? Let me close just with a reminder. What I'm asking you to do
is to find some time every day this week. Don't make excuses for why you can't. All of us can. I know we can. Find time every day this week, at least 15 minutes, where you spend focused time with God. Without distractions. Whatever the distractions are for you. Maybe, maybe you pray best when there's music playing in the background. For me, I, I can't do that. It drives me crazy if there's music going on. I can't focus. But, but whatever it takes for you in those moments, find that closet time. All right? Find that time where you can pray. Pray intently. Pray gratefully. And pray outwardly, selflessly, that God would work and that He would work in your life, in the life of this church, and in the life of churches throughout the world, that God would open up a door for the Word, that we may make the message clear so that God can continue to accomplish what He intends to accomplish in all this. If you're not a Christian this morning, we invite you on, on the Lord's behalf to put your faith and trust in Him. Uh, maybe if we've learned nothing else this year, we've learned that a lot of institutions, a lot of establishments that we tend to put our confidence in, they'll let us down. They'll let us down. They cannot do what we want them to do. But God never falters. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. He doesn't let His people down. So maybe at this moment you've come to the realization that you need something beyond what you've been trusting in. Come to faith in Jesus Christ this morning. We'll baptize you into Him for the forgiveness of your sins. And God's Spirit will live within you, and He will walk beside you, and He will help you to live the life that you were created to live. We invite you today to come to Him, or maybe to come back to Him and ask for prayers. Let's stand, and let's sing this song for your encouragement.